Episode 8, Churn, Figuring It Out and Fighting It. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrap SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins, and losses shared in each episode. From Aaron Wykey of GatherUp and Darren Shaw of Whitespark. Let's go. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Darren. And we are back at you with episode Ocho, which I feel like is every week I like seeing, or every time we talk, Darren, I like seeing a a bigger number. It makes me feel like we're really accomplished and we're we're almost hitting double digits. I know. That double digit is going to be a huge milestone. We should have (laughs) have a champagne party of some kind. Big celebration. Nice. Nice. We'll do a virtual toast. Yeah, sure. Definitely that. So we're at least in a, in a better cycle. We're back to talking every two weeks, the last three recordings that we've done anyway. And anything popping with you in the last couple of weeks? It's been much of the same. You know, it's only been two weeks. So we're still working on uh, the same things here. We're working some of our services and uh, I'm excited about getting this uh, Google My Business syncing working with our platform. So that's going to allow us to build out a ton of amazing stuff. So that's all up and running and uh, working on that launch uh, of our update to our rank tracker is coming. So our rank tracking platform will now uh, support um, screenshots. So taking screenshots of your listing. So you can be like, did I really rank there and uh, checking that out? So I'm excited about that. It's coming down the pipeline pretty soon. Designs are all finalized on our local citation finder. So uh, the, team that's working on the rank tracking stuff once that gets launched which is pretty quick they're going to shift over to um implementing all of these designs to our new local citation finders i don't know lots of stuff in the works lots of things going on uh tons of sales calls lately um nice yeah so it's been good gotta love that especially since we talked all about sales in our last episode it must have been that actually People, people are like, oh, Darren Shaw, White Spark. We better call them, give them a sales call. Yeah. Now, well, it's that. I mean, the things we talked about last time. That's now that um, you know, I, I've literally finished like seven weeks of travel every single week. Um, but my my number one, and I, I already from putting a couple things out on LinkedIn today, have a few new intros. But I have to find at least one if not as many as three salespeople to help get us to the next level. Like we just, yeah. we, we have enough going on and we have, you know, we have the right things and we just need to be talking to, to more people and mm-hmm. I, I need to get them up and running um, to have an impact yet this year, which is crazy to think, but. Sales is so time consuming. So it's, you know, for you as the CEO trying to manage so much of that, it's really valuable to bring on some people to help out. It totally is. And I'm a little bit scared about, you know, not scared, but I just realize how much work it's going to be to train one, two or three, um, you know, hope, hopefully all together. Yep. But knowing like, all right, if I sink my teeth into that hard for 30, 60, 90 days, like then it will pay off, right? It's a necessary evil. So 
Yeah, I would. Uh, one thing we're trying to do with training is to group it as much as possible. So when we hire, we try to hire like three people at the same time and train them all at the same time so that they all get that. And then we've also started um, screencasting and recording all of our training sessions. So like later we could have someone else do the training and they can refer to back to that as a reference or, you know, eventually dial it in to the point where it is it's all recorded. Be like, Oh, welcome aboard. Here's your training package. You know, let us know when you've worked through all that and then we'll have a call. Right. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's great efficiency. I'm, I, I need to do a better job of that. I want to, you know, I, I hope I'm able to hire two salespeople at once so I can, you know, duplicate the output of that training. Um, I, I've been trying to like, even after, uh, this call to record this today, I have a sales call and I've been recording those as of late, just so, you know, when we do hire, I can say like, all right, here's a dozen sales calls in the last month. Now you can listen to all these and pick things out and start to think about your pitch and your story and what kind of questions are asked and, and things like that. So do you give your, uh, your prospects a heads up that you'll be recording the call for training and quality assurance purposes? Um, I, I usually don't say that. I'll, sometimes I'll just tell them it's for their purpose, right? And then I'll send the link to the recording along with the materials I shared. Good idea. Um, yeah. yeah, just I, I found in doing that, like why, why not give them every piece of that? That way if they have to share up or down, they, they have that available sometimes people even right. ask for it but yeah yeah i don't i don't always let them know the wire is tapped either so i probably oh. should do that <laughs> yeah you should you're breaking some some ftc laws i think if you don't yeah. totally they're cut they're coming for me i'm sure i'm already on their list <laughs> no. yeah. ding dong yep. <laughs> right in the middle of the podcast uh, all right uh, other other than that um we just wrapped up monday tuesday wednesday we had uh, our exec team summit. So for us, it, that it basically ends up being six, seven of us that kind of lead different areas in the company. We try to have at least three or four face to face that we just call our, you know, exec summit. Um, we, you know, pretty much map out the three days solid to get FaceTime, both mm -hmm. where things are at, hiring, financials, what's next, planning, ideation, yep. you know, try to fit all that in, spend some time together, have dinners uh, together. So we actually did it here in Minneapolis um, this time nice. with having uh, five of our exec team are now in Minneapolis out of the seven. So that made it a, a lot easier. And then those of us that are here in the Twin Cities, we stayed at a hotel Monday night and Tuesday night just so we could spend more time together and not be, you know, commuting back and forth and everything right. else. So yeah, well, that sounds great. That's really yeah. helpful. I feel a yeah. little bit on the on my own uh, from an exec perspective. You know, it's mostly me as the primary exec, I certainly have some key team members that, uh, that I lean on for a lot of those decisions and, and collaboration and discussing things. But in the end, like I'm the only, I'm the, the sole director of things really. So it's yeah. nice to have that team around you that you, uh, can work with in that capacity. Yeah. I, I adopted the philosophy at my, my last agency when we grew that and I was basically in the COO role. Um, but I really saw that our, our company was run best at that level, right? And I, I, I kind of want to, as we grow, I want to duplicate that at Gather Up where I can be spending most of my time working on the business instead of in the business. So yeah. being able to be visionary and recruit. 
and evangelize and do those kind of things. And, and all of those things are things I'm self-aware that th- that's what I'm really good at. Um, and then have the right people handling finances and UI, UX and customer success and sales and, and things like that, where I, I really look at like that group runs the company. It's me to, you know, navigate, vision, motivate, all of those kind of things. So Yeah, right. Totally. That's 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 the ultimate plan. We're still uh, you know, just a couple of positions short. Sales really, really being the the big one that's still, you know, almost a hundred percent in in my wheelhouse um for our multi-location and larger deals. So ho- hopefully uh hopefully I'll have some good news on that uh, when we talk in the future. So okay, you're currently managing all of that. Um and you know you're doing it on a part-time basis. What makes you think you need three salespeople? Like that seems like a lot. Uh, do you actually have that much volume, and you're just dropping the ball on that many of them? Uh, so a couple of different things. One is definitely bringing someone in on the agency side. Um, we already have one agency account exec that is selling the white label version of our product to resellers. Yeah, and we have more than enough leads there. Um, we're we're manufacturing about a hundred warm leads a month there, right. so that can definitely use a second person to give more touch, you know, deeper dive. I also believe you know competition, especially in sales, is a great thing, right? It's the you know tide raises all boats kind of deal. Um, yep. So that that's helpful. And then on on the multi location side, I, I see the same thing, right? I'd rather bring try to bring two people in it at once there. Um, and at the stage right now, we don't generate as many leads there, but to get them going out and looking, right, I'm, I'm going to look for a salesperson that is very comfortable um, looking for where those next opportunities are and working their networks and possibly their backgrounds and, and being an outbound salesperson yeah. more so than just inside sales. So um, who's handling those hundred leads right now? It's customer support. Yeah, uh, no, our our agency sales rep handles the you know the majority of those right now, and we have a you know a good fifteen to twenty percent close rate every month with those hundred, mm-hmm. which is you know nothing to to laugh at. But I I think we could get another five to ten percent out of it just by splitting them up and spending Maybe. a little more time. And yeah, and I even think though that then we'd be in a position where we could do a little more outbound as well, because we know the types of agencies that are really successful with our product. Yep. Well, hey, with so many people coming on every month, how many you got going out the back door? I think that's what we want to talk about today, right? <laughs> there you go. We <laughs> want to talk about churn and the, the front end of the problem is getting new customers on. And yeah, the back end is, do you do you have a leaky bucket and how, how leaky is it, right? Yeah, totally. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So you know, for for us, we we're we've really ratcheted down pretty uh, tight on this, um, and really care a lot about customers leaving us, um, what our churn looks like, and and in a few different ways, right? And I think for me, um, the, at, at the highest level, you know, churn is a is a constant thing, right? It's not something you can look at and be like, oh, here's here's just what we need to do, and if we get it there, yeah. then it, then it's fixed, right? It, it's an ongoing thing that needs to be baked into how you do business, right? And then then the next piece is like tracking it, right, and being being aware. And this is something that we've gotten better at over time. You know, w- once upon a time, an account was an account, um, and we just tracked overall logo churn on a monthly basis based on our accounts. And then 
then we started realizing uh, a couple of years ago, we realized like, hey, you know, each of our markets is different, right? We have single location businesses <laughs> that they sign up from the website, no touch. They're paying $40, $75, $100 uh, a month. Um, we may or may not ever interact with them in support or, or anything else. It's just a come in and use as you wish. And that, you know, that's one segment. Then the next one is our agency resellers. So these are digital marketing agencies or one or two person SEO sh shops. Um, and they come in and, and now uh, with us, you know, 75% of them are coming in through our sales process. They're getting a demo. They're seeing our pricing. Um, we're, we're sharing a few case studies on, on how it works um, and then trying to help them get up and up and running and getting their, their clients on it and sell new clients on it. And then the, the third one is multi-location businesses, right? Just kind of five locations up to tens of thousands of, of locations. And these are much more high touch, a sales and demo process, uh, a statement of work. Um, you know, locking them into a year or two years worth of, of service. So we see both in how they come on, how they're treated, the sales process, all of those different things. Um, we track churn individually inside of each of those categories. So that's fascinating. We don't do that. We, you know, we're kind of like the way you were before where an accountant is account and we can see how many are leaving and we have a number of things to sort of follow up and how, try to understand the reasons why people leave but um so do you have that in the account setup type how do you know uh what they are basically do you flag them internally do you go through and mark them all how do you know if they're smb or agency yeah so in the sign up process they're able to state what that is mm -hmm. and then when we rebranded we moved our agency pricing and our multi-location pricing behind uh, basically a form. You just right. have to say who yep. you are. This is, you know, great lead generation for us. And then it also allows us to know who those uh, accounts are. And then the, the salesperson for agency is then working with them. And then you you need your account to be an agency account for it to work the right way with like yep. the agency dashboard we have. And then right, the majority right. of them want to white label, right? So that's that's already going to be a key. And then you know, other determinations, right? We see how many locations they have in there. So if they did self-select wrong when they signed up, we can easily correct that. We can, you know, it's a three second switch at any time. Sure. And so tell me, which is the segment that has the highest churn? Yeah. At SMB, as you would probably expect, has has the highest churn. So right. that's the one that the good news, uh, just as we were going over, like we have a, a half percent improvement in overall local churn from our 2018 to where we're at in 2019 so far. Right. Which is great. And we, we kind of see that, uh, you know, mostly uh, across the board, but both agency and multi-location churn is almost, you know, half of what SMB churn is. Um, right. And we, we have, you know, I, I, I don't want, I don't want to get into exact specifics, but I, I would say our SMB churn is definitely in an average slot for how SMBs churn, right? You're in, you're in a, a five to seven and a half, eight percent range per month. You know, yeah. that's pretty common for SMBs and SaaS. What percentage, I don't know if you have this data or not, but I'm, I'm interested to know what percentage of those SMBs that churn never really got set up 
Like they, they, they signed up, they got busy two months later, they realized I'm not even using this thing and they, they cancel. I'm just, yeah. like, do you have that data? I do. So that is so frequent. Um, we actually internally, how our product is built, um, if any of those that don't understand it, right? You you set up your business location. You configure what your outbound templates look like to request a review via SMS or, or, or by email, other configurations and setting, which sites you're going to ask for reviews on. And, and once that's all set up, then it's all about you need to add your customers in and those can be added in manually or uploading a list or you can use an app uh, or a, a zap a zapier and create a zap so that they auto populate you can even use our api so it automates out of a crm or pos um, uh -huh. but we basically to refer this we call this the problem of zero and if they don't add a customer like they will it is so unlikely they will lock any emotional or statistical value out of our product. Yeah, totally. Because our, our product is an engine. The customer is the gasoline. Um, so it just doesn't run because most people won't be that excited. Like, yeah, well, I'm paying 40 bucks a month and I get to monitor these five websites and, uh, you know, wh whatever else. That's not going to give them value that requesting reviews, requesting feedback, all of those other things will unlock for them. So for sure, we actually see about 50% of our SMB cancels never even send one request out. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. And now I'm wondering like, okay, great. You, you've identified a pretty significant turn problem. Yep. How are you now going to, to, to prevent that? Are you, are you monitoring and being like, okay, it's been a week. This person hasn't sent any review requests out. You better get someone to contact them. Like, do you have anything in place to sort of alert you to these situations and then a system so that someone gets in touch and tries to help them get properly uh, up and running with the software? Yeah, so we've tried some different things. Um, early on, we basically created a report called the Red Flag Report. And I can't remember the initial things, but it basically said, like, if you haven't added 10 customers in the first 60 days or the first 30 days, like, then they would appear on that report. And we would try to start doing some outreach to invite them to a webinar or what can we answer, anything else. But we basically were raising the flag, like, this account is likely in trouble because they're, you know, they're not adding customers into the system. Um, as you can imagine with SMBs, we didn't see a lot of response with that. Uh, so, you know, ended up being something that as we continue to get bigger and other things happened, we weren't fighting it in a, a, a service or a human element. So, you know, the next yeah. thing was we started looking at in the, in the product and we realized like, hey, we weren't being as frontal as possible with how to add customers. Um, yep. It was like one button from one screen and it became glaringly apparent, like we need to bring this to the forefront. So, you know, a month or two ago is when we finally got this all in order. But, you know, request actually became a main item on um, on the navigation. And then you right. see, like, do you want to add a customer? Do you want to upload a list? Then you see the ways to, like, add customers there. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, then we looked at, all right, how can we attack it from UI, UX? And and I really think with, with all of these, right, they're, they're almost always, there's never a silver bullet with it. It is about what three, four things can I do from in product, from customer success, from all those different things. 
And then we just started a trial right now that anybody who's at least on our second plan up, our pro plan uh, or higher when they sign up, um, in addition to, you know, and I should mention we have a drip series. So there's five emails that go out in the first four weeks of being with us that outline all the basics. We have a quick start guide that goes out in the first one. Yep. We put a lot into that. Um, and then, yeah, we're, we're doing a test right now with pro plans and higher. We're actually reaching out and we're trying to offer them a half hour call and just say, hey, we're, you know, we're going to go through like four things to get you completely ready. And the goal of that call by the end of it is saying like, all right, now send me your list and we'll help you upload it so we can get you to start sending requests. I think that could be so huge because most of these businesses already have a list somewhere, right? It's just like, give us, give us your list. We're going to start sending out those uh, customer requests. Then you really get to feel the benefit of the software. And I think that would have a massive impact on reducing churn. Yeah. No, well, I'm, I'm hopeful that, right. That shows some of it. Cause it is, it's just continuing to figure out like how, how do you get that lever pulled? Right. And what is it? And I'm, you know, part of me is hoping to some extent that oh, if if we have to do that consistently by human, like that's that's a little bit frustrating because that doesn't scale well, right? So yeah. you do start looking at what do we need to make easier in the product or more rewarding or happen faster or you know whatever that that might be, but you'd like to find some way where it's not all human touch. You can somewhat fake the human touch. And uh, that is something we've implemented to help reduce with churn and at least understand why customers cancel. When uh, when we get a cancellation, there's this email that goes out from Darren at whitespark.ca. Like, it looks like I sent it, even though I didn't. It was like, oh, hey, Bob, I noticed that you canceled. And... Uh, I would love to hear any feedback you have, you know, like what, what is, what is the one feature we were missing? Um, what is, what was lacking? What could we have done to have kept you as a customer? So I sent that email and it looks like it comes from me. And when they reply, it goes to me. And then I always get back to them right away because that, that's such valuable interaction uh, when they do take the time to provide that feedback. So it makes me wonder if you could do something similar where, an email goes out and it looks like it came from, let's say, Josh, right? And it says, you know, hey, we notice you haven't had any customers. If you send us send us the list, we'll do it. And that email is completely automated. But then Josh gets the reply and it comes to him and he, he pumps the list in, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And we're, we're in the first steps of doing that. So um, one big thing we have to get better at is internal app analytics. Yeah, same. We don't have deep enough data sometimes on what people are or are not using. We, we can see surface level how many customers have been added, but we can't even tell, like, are, are they even clicking to that page, right? Or mm -hmm. some other systematic thing. So that's one thing we have in, in motion. It's probably, not, you know, it's probably a, a quarter or two out from the number of move, moving pieces, but exactly yeah. what you outlined, yeah, is what we want to get to is how do you personalize that help experience so that the, the system itself is seeing something that's missing and either giving them a suggestion to learn about it or here's who you can talk to to get that corrected, right? Yeah, that in-app stuff is so valuable. I mean, like, uh, how are you planning to implement that? Because I know there's software like Hotjar or whatever that you can do to track all of your engagement, like what buttons are being clicked on and whatnot. But then I always think, well, we can kind of build our own tracking system for like measuring what gets clicked. You could even do it in analytics, right? Just like uh, any any click tracking can be put on every link in the navigation, every yep. button. 
I think that's where we've arrived is using Google Analytics, um, at least for the tracking side. We looked at uh, Heap Analytics and mm -hmm. in the end, based on a couple of different things, um, you know, one didn't just have a great service experience with them and uh, talked to a few other people that had used Mixpanel and had used Heap. Yeah, Mixpanel. And we had a few different people that said, you know what, you can do everything you need to, you know, with with Google Analytics and and Tag Manager, so yep. that that is where we're headed. Um, we use uh, App Cues, and we've used that in our product for a while. When we you know add something to a navigation, or roll out a new feature, or we change something up, um, we use that at a macro level to make any user aware when they log in, right? And it's it's been a great product for us just to point things out to people that are new in the platform, things they need to be aware of. You can create. Right multi-steps with them, that's been very successful. So the goal with that is then to integrate those two together so that then, you know, analytics is showing like, hey, they haven't even clicked on this page, that then just for that user in their account, it can service the alert that says, you know, hey, we noticed you haven't added anybody. Here's the request tab, click on this. And there's five different ways to add customers. So right. That's that's what we're hoping to use, a, a combination of Google Analytics and Heap to give those personalized um, app cues or Google Analytics and, and app cues and be able to give those personalized cues to get them to take the next step that's specific to that user and that account. That's interesting. I looked at app cues and um, it's just like a wizardy kind of thing, right? So it's like as soon as you load the app, it has like these little overlays that will point at specific things like go here to do this specific activity, go here to do this. And it's like it steps you through and kind of shows you the features of the app. That's, is that what AppQs is, right? Yep, yep. It ends up being an overlay. And so you can anchor it to navigation items or things on specific pages or drive them to specific pages. You can do steps with it. And then it lets you know how many times it's been activated, how many times somebody's gone through it and completed yep. it. So we, we've found it to be really helpful instead of those things happening you know, silently or in the dark and the user having to discover them themselves. Right. Yeah, I get that. When I looked at it, I thought like the pricing, because it was based off of uh, like number of sessions kind of thing. And the pricing looked really expensive to me. And I thought, well, we could just kind of build our own. It wouldn't be that hard to to build our own little overlay that directs a person through the software, right? Yeah. Yeah, we used to have like a in-app, we just called it like an in-app alert that we could control what page it would appear on in like the header. Yeah. And I can tell you, this has been wildly more successful. It is in the I can't remember off the top of my head, but it is in the hundreds of dollars a month. But we absolutely, you know, we, we almost always have one macro app queue going on at a time. Um, and we find it just to be, it, it's been really helpful for us. And when we look at that, like, when we look at the cost, we totally see like, yes, it pays off. And now it gives us that extra step that as we get to better tracking and we get to personalization, that we can then take it that step that, now that's cheap for what you're able to do. And you can set it up with your like support and marketing people rather than developers having to get in there, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, once yeah, once the code set up and whatever else, yeah, it's actually my um, our chief experience officer who's all of our UI and UX and everything else, he's, he owns AppQs and does all the setup with it, so. Sure, yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's been it's been good. The the one other thing I want to point out on on tracking that we've just recently evolved to um, is tracking net revenue churn. 
Um, and the premise behind this is like not every logo is is equal, right? When you're only right. tracking logo churn, losing a $40 a month single location dog walker pales in comparison to losing a 200 location hotel. Totally, yeah. Yeah, so net revenue churn measures you know, your revenue churn versus what are you expanding um, in a month. So mm-hmm. in our case where we have resellers that are adding locations or say we have a multi-location that we renew and now they moved from basic to the pro plan or you know, pro plan to pro plus, uh, and they're expanding their revenue. Net, net revenue churn looks at like, how much are you expanding? Um, and that doesn't include new sales. So your brand new deals aren't included. So it kind of looks at it as a self-sustaining environment. Like, will you continue to grow without landing new deals because your expansion revenue is greater than your revenue churn? Right. So, and that's a much more finite number. And we just finally started tracking that for Q1 of this year. And it was definitely an eye opener where, you know, we ended up close to right around a hundred percent for that month, meaning that, you know, it was good. Um, But we had some months that were lower, some months that, that were higher, but really, I think um, just from some numbers we shared at our, at our exec team meeting, you know, around 120 or 130% net revenue retention is like best in class, right? And we're, and the closest you get to a 100, that's definitely a good number if you're above 100 and constantly taking in more than what you're churning out without new deals, like that's a self-sustaining system. So we're really, we're right on the edge of that so far with tracking that. Wow, that's exciting. So what do you use for tracking? Um, I'm really jealous of your tracking because we have a legacy account system that we built in 2010 that has just been like Frankenstein built upon and bolted on stuff to it. And it's just the worst. It's the worst code base. And everyone at every one of the developers hates it and avoids getting into it because it's such a mess. And so we've been in the process of rebuilding our account system and it's very close to launching. But because of that, I'm in this limbo state where I can't say, Hey, I want to track this metric because the guys are like, well, what's the point of building that into the existing account system when we have the new one coming soon. Right? So I'm really in a stuck spot here where I can't get these metrics until we launch our new account system. So I'm just curious, what do you use for accounts? Or for these dashboard metrics, yeah. Yep. So we built our own dashboard in our, you know, our, our world's run by what we call our admin panel. So um, I- inside of that, we have an account churn report that yep. lays all that out and breaks it down. Like here, here's our overall local churn. Here's, you know, single, multi, agency. Now the net revenue churn, we have to, we have to calculate that by hand. So we have to use a, a couple of different of, you know, our billing numbers and, and reports and, and do that by hand, which is a little bit tedious. I would love, you know, eventually I think we can build a report that, that does it. Um, we're, to start with, we're just kind of like, all right, let's do this by hand. It's incredibly valuable. We've learned yep. a lot about the formula and all those other pieces in the process, but we will eventually need to build our, our own report to do that. That said, you know, if you look back, we've talked about this over episodes, like we are eventually this year switching over to a new billing system where that is a report provided in that billing system. So that, you know, that's another advantage to going with one of the, you know, 
existing SaaS billing products that's out there is they've built all that already. Yeah. Yes. Most of them have those reporting suites or they're ones that integrate with like a profit well or a bare metrics and allows you to, you know, put your data into visible formats in the right types of reports. Yeah. Are you using Stripe for your payment processor? We're not. We use PayPal. That was where things, yes, started with far, far before me. And um, yeah, it, uh, it, it makes, you know, it integrates with uh, some things and, but yeah, most of the really forward new age reporting things are, you know, Stripe and Braintree and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And not so much PayPal Pro. Is it PayFlow? Is that what your processor is? PayFlow, not no, PayPal? PayPal Pro is what ours is. PayPal Pro. Huh. Yep. Yeah, I should look into that. It would be nice if I could just spin up a dashboard quickly based off of our PayFlow accounts, just connect them. I think that that might be uh, something that I could uh, explore in the short term. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Uh, unlocking that data and being able to see what's there and the different types of reporting. It was like when I came across uh, you know, a couple articles on the, the net revenue churn mm-hmm. uh, on a monthly basis, right? It just got me thinking about it differently where it's like, yeah, I already knew logo per logo wasn't the same. And while we're working hard on that, like there, there's so much more below the surface of that, that it's really about like, are you leaking? What does the dollar leakage look like each month? Not not just the the logos, right? As we said, all all accounts are are not equal, um, and as we've sold more and more into multi location and and some bigger deals, like we have those massive discrepancies between a, a thirty dollar account and a five thousand dollar a month account. Yep. That's okay. So speaking of, let's say you are tracking this net revenue churn. How do you react differently uh, to an SMB that has churned versus? like a $5,000 a month account that has turned in. And so you now have the data. Are you doing anything different based off of that data? Yeah, we, for SMBs, we try to cycle what we see in that back all the way to the front, right? So we look at why, why did they leave? So again, this continues to expose our, our, you know, problem of zero. And we continue to look at how are we messaging them? They need to upload customers. How do we make it easy to upload customers? How can we support them uploading customers? You know, eventually do we need to reward them for uploading customers? Yeah. Like what, what are all those things that, that we need to look at it from that angle? The, the multi-location side is definitely different because they're in, in it's an area where we're strong and we're getting even stronger. And that's looking at how, how our customer success team engages. And, you know, we, we've had a really fabulous reactive customer success team. Like we do support extremely well. You'll, if you read our reviews, you see it in our reviews, people rave about how fast we are, how thorough the materials that, that we give them to put it onto. But where we're trying to get now, and especially as, you know, some of our early deals from last year, when we started having multi-location success, now we're trying to be like, all right, hey, your deal's up in 30 days. Let's jump on a call and talk about your renewal. Are we hitting goals? Here's some of the data we see. Here's ideas on how you can do better. And let's do that and get this next deal. Let's sign on again for another year or two. Great. Um, mm-hmm. So we're, we're just starting uh, that within the last month. We hired a VP of customer success that has that kind of background and has really started orchestrating what that looks like. Uh, our our onboarding process, which there's another part of, you know, churn is how easy do you make onboarding and to get set up. And we've always had a really great onboarding process for some time now that's well documented out and 
makes it really easy for the customer to understand what's going on. It's ratcheted into four phases. But once they got up and running, like then we stopped being a guide. And then we're like, all right, if you need something, let us know. And now we're trying to build out that first 90 days where it's like, we're still driving it and like, great, here's what we see happening. All right, let's set this up now. Let's do this additional thing. Uh, And getting it so, you know, it's truly customer success where we're like, all right, we know how to get you to being successful within your first 90 days. So then after that, the the next nine months are lather, rinse, repeat of what's going on or, or smaller adjustments, but we already have you on your way. And then then we know, yes, you're going to renew. We're going to keep you long-term because you're happy with what's going on. It's not a secret. It's not a wondering when renewal comes up, like, oh, will they resign? We have no idea. So, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, with that onboarding, you solve that problem of zero, right? You get them into the system using it and uh, seeing the benefits of the software. Yeah. M- multi-location suffers far, far less from that. Um, cause we're usually in multi-locations. We're trying to find out, you know, two things. One, what other pieces of software are you using so that we could do an integration? Um, that's, that's the number one thing is we want to make it happen automatically that the customer is coming into our system after a purchase or after their experience. If that can't happen, then we're making them aware, Hey, here's how our list upload works. And all you have to do is pull down one customer list that has first name, last name, email address and a location identifier and show us a sample of data you'd pull from that. Okay. It has the right things. Here's where you upload that in our system. And if you do this on a, you know, daily, every other day, weekly basis, part of you, you know, takes you five minutes to do your system is going to run smoothly. Um, But what we haven't done in the past is check to make sure that those manual ones are still doing it where now we're trying to set up more things. So we know, all right, this person's actually fallen off. They haven't uploaded someone in two months. They get great results when they do it, Mm -hmm. but they just haven't been doing it. So now we're actually putting a little more in place so we can recognize those things. I'm picturing a, a sort of dashboard that a customer success person would log into and it would automatically sort near the top, all of the least engaged customers. So a lot of these SMBs that are, are basically haven't uploaded anything and you could have different engagement points. It's like, what, what pieces have they done? And they can go from like green to red, depending on how deep they've got into the software. And the customer success person can just like pick off the top 10 of those every day, just log in, spend an hour touching base with those 10 least engaged people and trying to to bring them in and help them out are you are you spying on our company <laughs> did you I'm just, I'm just thinking about it man is that what you're doing is that the idea yeah like, oh, yeah God. yeah so so yeah. taylor our new vp of customer success that's one of his things is basically creating a scorecard for each customer yeah and there's components based on the features they're using the results they're seeing customers being yeah. added what what's their tone when they talk to us in support or or whatever else right and using all of that to develop a score so that we we understand where they sit and yeah the system will provide some of that data so we can see if somebody isn't adding customers or they don't install review widgets on their site we see that contribute to that score being lower so that right. we get we get that alert so that we're like okay hey these guys are at this level let's engage with them and get them back up to a healthy level so now you're you're spot on. You're right. You're right on track with us, Darren. I like that. Well, I wish I was ahead of you sometimes, but you're always like, you know, six months ahead of me with all of these ideas. 
Well, it just works out that way sometimes. But what what do you guys see? I mean, what's the biggest reason when people are giving you their cancel reasons? What are yep. you seeing for why do they churn out of WhiteSpark? It's most so it depends on the software. We also we have this unfortunate problem that we have multiple software systems and multiple uh, services, and so we don't really have a sense of churn out of our services. Like let's say an agency was using us for citation building on a regular basis and then they stopped that that's a churn, right? They, they went to some other provider for citation building services. We have no line on that right now. I'm not tracking that at all on the software side. We have cancellation. So we, whenever they cancel, we try to collect feedback from them and then we will use that to help understand why people are churning. But a lot of this awesome stuff like integrating, tracking within the software, they're all fantastic ideas that we just have not implemented yet. Um, the biggest reason people churn out of, let's say the local citation finder is I'm just not using the software. And it, and it actually, it is unfortunately part of the nature of the software. You know, let's say you're a small business, you sign up for the local citation finder it suggests a number of places you could get citations. You get those citations and you're like, why am I paying monthly for the software? I don't need it anymore. It, I did it, I accomplished my goal. And so um, to solve that problem, which we are fully aware of, the new version will provide ongoing recommendations. So you don't have to think so much about it. The yep. system will feed you every month or every week actually, we want to be like, here are your top citation opportunities for the for the week and then also doing a better job of keeping track of when you do get them and then like sending out rewards and just lots of engagement type features is what we're focusing on with the new version of the LCF. So that's in production. We'll be launching that in the short term and continuing to improve that. So there's a lot of opportunities just within the software to improve engagement. And so we have a big one there. Same thing on the rank tracker. That definitely is making it stickier and more valuable on an ongoing basis, right? That's that's a big thing, right? I think it for, for me, it's the hugest thing. And it's the one that I, I want to uh, focus our attention on solving first. And I think that that will have a pretty significant impact on churn of the local citation finder for that particular yeah. piece of software. Do you guys look at or track are people more likely to stay with you longer if they're using multiple products versus like just one, you know, just one service and one product or two products? Do you have any idea on that? That's a great question. Um, I don't have any idea on that. If only we had our new account system and tracking system, <laughs> I'd be able to put some of those, uh, get get an idea of some of those things. Um, I would think that it does have a small impact. The software systems are all for like very different purposes. And, and a number of companies, most companies would bundle things together, right? So if you look at, let's say a SEMrush or a Moz or an Ahrefs, you just sign up for, for Moz and you get all of the different products and services in your Moz Pro account. That is a uh, direction that we're heading as well bundled, but then allowing people to also self-select like tiny things. If they only want the LCF, then we're still going to allow that to happen. But bundling, I think will have a big impact and maybe give people broader value. And especially when they've signed up for a bundle, they might be using our reporting stuff on a regular basis or our citation analysis stuff, but they might not need some other things, right? And so yep. bundling bundling will help a lot, I think, to uh, reduce churn just to provide a, a one place to get everything that they need. Nice. 
what do you guys do in terms of like uh, support channels when when people right? It's like uh, on one side you have the the silent sufferers, right? And that's yep. what we were kind of talking about with having a scorecard or an alert, something yeah. that helps you know, right? It's uh, they're drowning, and they always say like drowning is the silent killer because it isn't the screaming and kicking that you normally think it is when someone's drowning and they're swimming. Yeah, right. And they're in the water and drowning. They're not swimming. They're drowning. Yep. But what about the ones that, you know, raise their hand and say, I have an issue. What, what does, you know, how do you guys handle your support? What, are, what does that look like? And how successful do you feel like that is? I feel like we do a pretty good job. Like you had said earlier, you know, with your support, we're quite responsive and our reviews reflect that. People always talk about how, you know, support at White Spark is good. We, we almost never go 24 hours without responding to a ticket. Our team uh, works hard to try and solve problems. We're very like friendly too. If like someone says, "Oh hey, I haven't used the LCF in the last three months. Uh, can I get a refund for the last three months? I didn't use it." We're generally like, "Yep, no problem." Like we we don't really want to. Uh, we we want to be understanding and empathetic with our customers in, in many in many cases and we want to try and help them out as quickly as possible and the support is fantastic for driving uh feature direction as well right so when someone when someone complains that it's missing this or missing that then it ends up on our roadmap and and we do a good job of trying to implement that which of course in the long term will reduce churn as well yeah for sure well and i think support is probably a whole nother topic for us uh someday so we we probably shouldn't get down that vein too far because we probably should wrap up here for the week but yeah how are we um, doing for time let's see yeah yeah you know every taking up there again yeah we can just go (laughs) on and on and on right i know yeah i'll I'll just add support to our uh, queue of of topics to talk about but I think in in closing, I'd, I'd like to hear a couple of things from you that you think is really uh, important in churn. Um, but but mine are, you know, number one, as we alluded to with a lot of these things, like figuring out who's in trouble even before they realize it, because yeah. th- they don't always realize it. They just obviously hit a switch where they don't find value in their product, in your product. Um, and they might not re-enter a new credit card. They might just go and click cancel. But at some point in time, the the value versus the dollar spent isn't there. So you need ways to uh, figure that, that out uh, once they do that. And that's where we talked about a number of things that are there because you really need a way to like, um, when you can be proactive so you can ask them how they're doing and you also give them a chance for them to tell you how you're doing. Th- yeah. Those are great ways to suss out problems, issues, misunderstandings. And a lot of times we just find people don't even know that's available in our product, right? That has so many customizations and so many settings. Um, and then lastly, just totally. realizing you have to attack churn from all angles, right? It's user interface, it's user experience, it's help guides, it's tool tips, it's using something like app queues, it's internal app tracking, it's a customer success team, right? It is a t- complete team effort to like continue to move that ball forward and drive churn down. And wh- what would yours be, Darren? I really think the biggest one is that internal app tracking. So really identifying um, engagement. I think you you start to churn when you have people that are not engaged with the product. And so getting a line on that and understanding what features people are engaging with and when people are stop engaging, um, getting stuff 
in front of them so that they do start engaging and trying to automate that, that as much as possible. I think there's a great opportunity there for SaaS companies to say, to have something in place that tracks, identifies when engagement drops off, and then pings them with suggestions about how they could get back engaged. I think that, that has a huge impact on, uh, on churn. For sure. I totally, totally agree with you. And something tells me we will probably address this topic again in the, the future, not so far away. And hopefully we have some updates on some of the things we're trying to do with it. So Yeah, we got to get beyond our hopes and dreams. And then we'll have a whole episode <laughs> on our successes. Like, wow, we reduced our churn by 12% by implementing this awesome thing. Uh, you just gave me another episode idea called Hopes and Dreams, right? Where we lay out our biggest hopes and dreams that our product could do or accomplish or handle. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. I think it's a great topic. Again, there's so much more we could cover, but uh, hopefully our listeners got some good uh, tidbits and ideas off of both the things that we're doing to track and address and try to uh, combat customer churn. So with that, we will uh, bid you adieu. Hopefully you continue to enjoy our episodes. Please leave us a a review on iTunes. Um, Otherwise, tweet at Darren or or I. We'd love to hear feedback or any topic ideas that that you guys have. That's always helpful. And other than that, uh, we'll talk to everyone in a couple of weeks when uh, we record episode nine. Looking forward to it. We'll talk to you all in a couple of weeks. All right. Take care, Darren, and talk to you later, everybody. See ya.